and now you have to hear me. It's a hard act to follow. I do want to thank you for your support this following week, uh, this past week, I guess, and the prayers that you offered up on behalf of Preacher Training Camp. It was a great week. I know that uh, the young men did a great job this morning at the various congregations that allowed them to come and speak. I was with my son and Caleb Rechtenwald at Jim Ned Valley. They did a great job there of hosting, and I know the other churches that we used did the same. I know that Ender and Landon did a great job here this morning. So proud of our boys. Thank you so much. It's like one lady came up to me this morning. She congratulated me on the job well done by the boys, and she said, you know, you better watch it. They're going to take your job. And I said, that's exactly what we're training them to do. I mean, that's what we want. We want them to take my job and every preacher's job eventually, right? And so thank you so much for your love and support of that camp. Tonight we're kicking off VBS in the adult classes by talking about whatever they're talking about in their classes as well each night, and tonight is Zacchaeus. So turn to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And as we're reading, I want you to see what details stick out to you. You know, we've talked about better Bible study this, this whole year and even some of last year, and we talked about ways that we can improve our Bible study habits, and one of the things we've talked about is as you're reading, get the highlights, consider the context, see what's going on, ask questions, and so as we're reading, do that, okay? It says, he entered, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So what sticks out to you about the story? My guess is the fact that Zacchaeus was little, that he was small in stature, Maybe that he climbed up in a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. That Jesus told him to come down and went to his house. We know those details, if for no other reason, because of the song we sang in Bible class as kids, or that we led the kids in when we were teaching Bible class. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree for his Savior he longed to see. I think sometimes we can know the songs that we sing to our children so well that we miss some of the story. I'm not advocating we do away with the children's songs, not at all. I think they serve a really good purpose. But I think all too often there are some details that are left out because we're trying to bring it down to their level. We see that with Jonah, the story of Jonah and the big fish, right? The big fish gets all the attention, and it reads more like a, uh, the mother of all tall tales when it comes to fishermen, right? We see it with Noah's Ark, or we see it with David and Goliath and many other stories like that. There's some details that we can't afford to miss. And if the only thing we know about the story of Zacchaeus is that he was little, that he climbed up in a tree, and that Jesus went to his house, we're missing a lot. There's a whole lot more to this story than what we know from the children's song. Did you notice what Luke wants you to get out of this story? 
I mean, for what we just read, what is Luke highlighting? The fact that Zacchaeus was a Jew, that he was a sinner. He also highlights that he was a chief tax collector and that he was rich. It's interesting that he threw that in there, right? And he was rich. So Luke wants us to know some things that maybe we miss sometimes. And why would Luke have us dwell on these things? Because as we have said over and over again, the Bible is one continuous story from Genesis to Revelation. The thread that runs throughout is redemption. And certainly that is the case here with Zacchaeus' story. He fits the overall narrative. This story of redemption is seen clearly in the life of Zacchaeus. Remember what Jesus said about rich people? He said, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So how difficult is it for a rich man to enter into heaven? Well, according to Jesus, it's impossible. I mean, he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which is impossible. So therefore, that would mean that it is absolutely impossible for a rich person to go to heaven. Zacchaeus was a rich man. He was a tax collector, it says. He had gotten rich by taking advantage of the people that lived in his community, his village, people that were mostly poor. And remember when we studied about the minor prophets? Of all the sins that they had committed that led to their captivity, what were some of the ones that stood out above all the others? Idol worship, social injustice. And one of the things that they are constantly condemned for is the fact that their leaders took advantage of the poor. That they got rich on the backs of poor people. And that would certainly be the case with Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector that had gotten wealthy on the backs of the poor people. You may or may not know, but the Roman government would assess a certain tax and they would contract out to tax collectors to go and gather up the taxes. Since there was no television or internet or radio, nobody really knew what the cost was or what the tax was. And so the tax collector would use that to his advantage. And he would set the price a whole lot higher than what Rome actually did. And so that tax collector would go and he would take whatever it was that Rome had assessed, but he would also take a whole lot more for himself. And Rome didn't care. As long as you got what they wanted, you could keep whatever was left over. You could see how the people would have despised tax collectors. Zacchaeus was a hated individual. I mean, you think about it in our culture. Taxes has to be one of those words that's at the top or near the top of the most disgusting words in our vocabulary, right? We hate the word taxes. Even if it's a good tax, even if it's going to accomplish something good in our community, Many people won't vote for it simply because of the negative connotation with tax or taxes. If there's a more despised institution in America than the IRS, you tell me what it is. Because most people despise the IRS because we're of the opinion, at least most people are, that we're overtaxed. And that the government gets too much of our hard-earned money. And that definitely would have been the attitude of the people in Zacchaeus' day and age. They would have saw him coming and they would have cringed. They would have spit in his direction. He was a hated man. William Barclay had this to say about tax collectors. 
He said there was a purchase tax on all that was bought and sold. There was bridge money to be paid when you, when you crossed a bridge, road money to be paid when main roads were used, harbor dues to be paid when a harbor was entered, market money to be paid when a market was used, town dues to be paid when the traveler entered a walled town. If a man was traveling on a road, he might have to pay a tax for using the road, a tax on his cart, on its wheels, on its axle, and on the beast that drew the cart. There was a tax on crossing rivers, on ships, on using the harbor quays and dams. There were certain licenses which had to be paid for engaging in certain trades. The people were hard, hard on being taxed and suffering from all the burden that was being put on them for paying these various tariffs. And tax collectors were so distrusted that they were forbidden to do any business with banks. Banks wouldn't trade with them. They couldn't testify in a court of law. Jews did not even take their charitable donations because they were that despised. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Tax collectors were considered in the same category as robbers and murderers. He was also a Jew. And that's important to note. Because as a Jew, he obviously wasn't living right before God. He was a scoundrel, a cheat, a man who preyed on the financially weak, and as a result, he was a social outcast. No one wanted anything to do with him. And add to all of this the fact that he was a small man and he was the target of public ridicule and mocking. Now remember, who the major players have been up to this point in Luke's gospel. We can't pass over that. As we've talked about in Better Bible Study, you have to take things in context. And we can't afford to pluck Zacchaeus out of context here. Think about the major players in Luke's gospel up to this point. You have a persistent widow, you have a Pharisee and a tax collector, you have children, you have a rich young ruler, and you have a blind beggar, right? All from Luke chapter 18 to Luke chapter 19. And they form a bigger picture and a bigger theme. You know what that bigger theme is? Not about money. What's the bigger theme? Redemption. Yes, you're getting it. That's the thread that's running through. If Zacchaeus can find salvation... If a lowly tax collector can find redemption, well, then who can't, right? And that's really what the story hinges on. Yes, it may be impossible for a rich man to go to heaven on his own. The only way for a rich man to get to heaven, or really anyone to get to heaven, is through Jesus Christ, right? And so while it may be impossible while it may be easier for a camel, hump and all, to pass through the eye of a needle, the impossible is made possible through Jesus Christ. That is what the story of Zacchaeus is about. And if you've noticed, over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus specializes in contrasts. And those contrasts are big. Light, dark, all those kind of things, right? Here you have a contrast with Zacchaeus and the guy that came before him that Luke records, the rich young ruler. Remember him? Comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The most important question anybody could ever ask. But when he found out that he would have to give up his stuff, his money, his possessions, he didn't like that answer and he walked away saddened. But in contrast, you have Zacchaeus. And you notice what he did? He gave away everything or was willing to in order to follow Jesus. If it meant giving up Four times what he owed people. That's fine. 
He wasn't going to be like the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler said, I can't give up my stuff. And Zacchaeus says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not happening with me. Because he found what he really needed anyway. He found his true treasure in Jesus Christ. And he immediately was ready to follow. And maybe he had climbed up in that tree and, and he was trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus because he had been contemplating his life. Maybe he is like Solomon and he's come to the realization that, you know what, this is all a chasing after the wind. This is all vanity. My life needs to be about something bigger. I don't know. We don't know. Maybe he was just curious. Whatever the reason, he found his encounter with Jesus and he took advantage of it. And he didn't allow that opportunity to slip by. Have you ever assessed a person as unreachable? I mean, those of you who are Christians and you go to share the gospel, has there ever been anyone in your inner circle or maybe just an acquaintance at work or somebody that you kind of know that you've just assessed as unreachable? You've just said that person would never listen to the gospel. Maybe they were an atheist. Maybe they were someone that was living an immoral life and and you assumed that they would never listen to anything you had to say. And I get it, you know, Jesus said, if they're not receptive, shake the dust off your sandals and move on. But don't give up too quickly. I think there's great danger in taking a single story approach. You know what that is? I think all too often we take a single story approach to evangelism. We look at a person and we assess them based on a single story. We look at a Muslim person and we say, well, they're Muslim. They hate Christians. They're all terrorists. They would never listen to the gospel. Do you know anything about Muslims? By the way, you're going to get a chance to hear from a former Muslim. In February, in our equip seminar, we're going to have Wassam Al-Athawi, who's going to come and talk to us about Christianity and, and, and Islam. A man that left Baghdad after being converted, left because he feared for his life, came to America, went through Sunset Preaching School, and is now in Detroit preaching the gospel to the highest concentration of Muslims in America. And we get to have him in February. It's going to be a wonderful equip seminar. Or we look at immigrants and we say, all immigrants are just coming over here to be freeloaders. We look at poor people and say, they're, they're all just lazy. And we judge people by a single story. And if you were living in Jesus' day and time, That's how you would have looked at Zacchaeus, more than likely. Hopefully not, but that's how everybody else did. They were in the crowd, and they were watching Jesus interact with this man, and they they despised this man, and rightfully so. I mean, he had gotten rich off their backs, and and they look at this man, and they say, "He's, he's despicable, he's disgusting, he's a thief. But that was only one story. Apparently, he had a touchable heart, right? And Jesus knew that. The religious elite, the religious leaders, instead of being the first to go to him and try to persuade him, because he was a Jew, right? Being a Jew that was an erring Jew, the first people that should have gone to him were the Pharisees to say, look, you're, you're not doing this right. You're not living right. You've sold out. You're, I mean, you're, you're, you've given in to your pagan superiors. You can't do this. But instead, they sat back and they said, oh, look at this Jesus. He is a friend of sinners. Isn't it interesting how that was meant to be something negative? And yet it's the greatest compliment you could ever give somebody. Don't you want to be a friend of sinners? 
Thank goodness Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? Because who else was going to go to Zacchaeus? Apparently nobody. The very people that should have didn't. All because of a single story approach. The single story of Zacchaeus is he's a thief. But there was more to him than just his thievery. Barry does jail ministry. You can't take a single-story approach, can you? You better be willing to kind of dig a little deeper and see where people are at because they might just have a touchable heart. You know, I think about this. Do we care deeply about the Zacchaeuses of this world? And I think if we were to make an honest assessment, the answer to that question would be, not really. I mean, let's be honest. Not really. I mean, if we did, we'd probably do something more about it. It's easier to let ourselves off the hook and to soothe our conscience by saying, yeah, that person would never hear the gospel. I mean, look at them. They're Muslim, or they're poor, or they're, they're lazy, or they're, you know, they're freeloaders, whatever it is. They're thieves. And that gets us off the hook. They would never listen to us anyway. We take that single-story approach, and we don't show the care and concern. And maybe we do that, and we fail miserably. Maybe they turn us off. Maybe we were exactly right, that they didn't want to hear anything that we had to say. But we don't want to be like the crowd who looked at Jesus and looked at Zacchaeus and said, what is he doing? How could he do this? He is the guest of a man who is a sinner. Unfortunately, too many times, we water down stories like Zacchaeus by focusing on the wrong things and the wrong details. We miss some of the bigger pieces of the puzzle because we're focused on insignificant things. Throughout the Gospels, we see details that are highly important to the overall story and that are highly important for us to grasp and utilize in our daily walk. It was the harlots, the lepers, the lame, the tax collectors, the fifth wheels, the dregs of society, the social misfits that came to Jesus looking for a better life. I think these people were needy and they had nowhere else to turn. Zacchaeus sure couldn't find help from anybody around him. and I mean, it was self-inflicted, yes. But there was nobody he could reach out to. Thank goodness that Jesus was there, right? And notice how this story fits the context of Luke's gospel. Notice the stories, again, surrounding this teaching. The rich young ruler, the prodigal son, the unrighteous steward, the rich man and Lazarus, the Pharisees and the publican, the parable about using your money. Do you notice the theme here? The theme is one of neediness. When you're rich, you're comfortable. When you're rich, you don't need God. At least that's what rich people sometimes think. At least from the basis of the Gospels that we see when, when Jesus is pointing this out or when we read about these parables, we see that the main problem is that these people were not needy. Why did Jesus talk so much about man's relationship to his money? Because God in his infinite wisdom understood that money can be an easy God for people. And that's another contrast we see here. We see that Zacchaeus didn't do that, at least in the end he didn't. And we see that he proved to be needy. And that's a prerequisite to being a Christian. You must be needy. You must have total and complete reliance on God. Here's something else that we learn from the story of Zacchaeus. And that is 
that the very people that should have reached out to him did not. We shouldn't wait for somebody else. We should be the ones who don't take a single-story approach, but we say, look, there's someone in need. Let's help them get back on track. Jesus was only doing what the religious people of his day should have been doing. He stepped up when others stepped back. Finally, I want you to think about this. There will always be something that hinders someone from seeing Jesus. For this wee little man, it was his stature. He had to climb up in a tree to see over the crowd so that he could catch a glimpse of Jesus. But there's always going to be obstacles if we allow them to be in our way and to hinder us from seeing seeing Jesus. Whether it's prejudices or preconceived notions, whatever it may be. But if you want to see Jesus bad enough, you will. And so you may think that my final point is something like, don't let anything hinder you from seeing God or seeing Jesus. And that's not my final point. My final point is this. Don't you be a hindrance to seeing Jesus. And you think, well, I would never do that. I mean, I'm a Christian. But it happens all the time, even among Christians. That we are a hindrance to seeing Jesus. Most of you here tonight represent the religious people of this world, of this community. You are the ones that should be going about into people's homes, knocking on their doors perhaps, seeing those people who are needy and going to them and saying, is there anything I can do? Let me tell you about Jesus. Don't write people off too soon, too quickly. Lead the way. Go, do something ridiculous and insane like Jesus did and actually go and talk to them. Reach out to them. Because if you don't, who will? When everyone else is looking down their nose at them, when everyone else is pointing the finger or or saying that they are despicable and disgusting, who's going to be the one that says, you know what? Maybe they have a touchable heart. and Maybe I'm the only one that reaches out to them. Show them that even though no one else may love them, that you do. Because here's something that we may not want to admit, but God loves the people you hate. Think about that. God loves the people that you hate. Maybe it's time that we stop looking at people with a single story view in mind and said, what can I do to help them get to heaven? Don't be a hindrance for someone seeing Jesus. You know, every Sunday night we we say, don't leave here without being right with God. Maybe you have a need tonight. Maybe you're needy. Maybe we can help you. If you need prayers, if you need hugs, someone to love on you, maybe you're ready to, to study the Bible and learn more about a daily walk with God following in the footsteps of Jesus. Maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. The key is to be needy and recognizing that need and recognizing the only one who can meet that need. If we can help you tonight, come now. We stand and as we sing.